Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. Beer bars play an important role in delivering a world-class experience while offering a curated list that can surprise, delight, or just be a comfort. This is our annual episode where we check in on the state of beer bars with thoughtful publicans. First, please go visit allaboutbeer.com for original articles, reviews, news, insights, and podcasts. Listen to shows like Brewer to Brewer and the All About Beer podcast simply by searching All About Beer wherever you listen to shows. This show and all of the work we do, it's supported by you. Please go visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. A few bucks goes a long way to help keep the content fresh and to fund writers, photographers, creators, and editors. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising with All About Beer, please email info at allaboutbeer.com. I spend a lot of time on this show talking with brewers about their breweries, but at least once a year, I like to check in with publicans of renowned beer bars to see what's happening in their world. So what is the state of beer bars in America in 2023? I'm joined by two bar owners to find out. Jeff Bruning is the gregarious publican of famed Des Moines bars like El Bait Shop and the Iowa Tap Room, among others. And Devin Cox, a Walmart enthusiast, is the owner of the Greenville Beer Exchange in South Carolina. They both joined me via Zoom. Welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. And Jeff, I just want to start with you because you've been at this for, for a while now with multiple locations. What do you see as the state of beer bars in America as we're wrapping up 2023? Uh, I believe that, uh, we are in a situation where you got to pay attention. The, I don't want to say the party's over. Um, but, uh, you need to pay attention a little bit more than we have in the past. Uh, it's not a, it's not the crazy world we used to live in where anything went and there was a new brewery coming to your bar every two weeks. Uh, it's, it's changed. Um, but it's sort of it's sort of matured just like the uh, the brewing industry has it we've kind of leveled out new breweries to old breweries and that kind of thing so you gotta in my mind you gotta make the main thing the main thing uh, that's a stephen covey uh reference <laughs> but uh you know what do you do why do you do what you do um uh, and and keep working towards that you know if you own we own the bait shop uh the bait shop is a craft beer american craft beer bar um and we are very honed in on the craft beer there, uh, American craft. Uh, we also do local, but I am sitting in the basement of the Iowa tap room, which focuses on strictly only Iowa beer. In fact, our tagline is, uh, 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 all beer. Uh, gosh, I just blanked on it. Um, uh, one of, uh, all it's Iowa got a beer, tagline. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah all Iowa beer, one amazing place. And we focus. And so that kind of is a, a laser focus on what we want to take, uh, put out to the general public is pay attention to what you're doing. We have a Belgian bar. We stick to that. We have a British pub and a German beer hall and we stick to those and we're pretty specific. Um, and we give the people what they want for that location. And we make sure that staff knows what we're trying to do. So yeah, we try to make the main, we're trying very much focused on making the main thing, the main thing as we move forward into 2024. Kevin, does that, does that square with you? Yeah, I mean, um, I definitely relate to um, taking the thing that, you know, made you famous and kind of, or if you're famous, um, and, and, and sticking with that for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 
And any success that we have, I attribute to um, being willing to to bend and change with, you know, with with the world around you and and what your customers are demanding or or asking for or not asking for, and and just sort of being able to adapt with um, with with trends, but also not at the same time not you know, diving all the way in with trends that might not be as sustainable as others, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> oh, un- unpack <laughs> um, that a little bit. What do you, what do you mean by that? I mean, like, uh, you know, our, our business has, has evolved in many ways over the years. We started out as just a, as, as a, as a bottle shop only that didn't do any tap room sales at all. We were, we were just a, you know, 1000 square foot, um, you know, store that felt kind of like your neighborhood indie record store, except it was Florida ceiling beer and, you know, two thirds of it was Belgian. And, you know, another uh, big wall of it was Italian and German and all that. And this was, you know, back in 2011, 2012. And, you know, the American craft beer scene hadn't quite exploded the way it is now, you know, since then. But, that was what we were then. But then as more local breweries opened up and more distributors, you know, uh, became uh, businesses that were distributing more and more product into the state, you know, we adapted, we, we, we moved forward. We dropped a lot of the things we were selling before and started selling more of the, the new uh, product then. And just not being so, I guess, dead set in what you aspired to be in the beginning, being willing to adapt a little bit, but also not, if the whole world is, it it seems like they're going into slushy sours, maybe don't make your entire business slushy sours, but also, you know, have a couple on the shelf, you know, for those that are looking for that, but also at the same time, keep your Rodenbox and your duchesses around for, you know, the people who enjoy the classics and trying to find a balance between tradition and um, the the new innovations and trends and whatnot, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, what's been the biggest change for you? Like how, how have you adapted over the years um, and, uh, in, in a way that, that still resonates with you these days? Well, you know, uh, when first things started, you know, you always wanted to be the place that got the beer. You know, we were the first, there are a couple places in the state, but we were the first in 06 to open up a a straight up craft beer bar. Um, The state of Iowa was low in ABV back then. We could only do 6.25 ABV and 6.5 by weight. Um, And you couldn't do anything higher. You'd have to go to the state and order it through the liquor, your liquor your friendly liquor store and have them deliver it that way. That's how we got some of our Imperials from rogue and things like that. There were a lot of beers that weren't even coming to our state that way. Um, and we, as time progressed and a couple years into that, you know, we opened up, we had 101 beers on tap and 53 of them were from three breweries. We really leaned hard on rogue <laughs> back then. Uh, we had 20, we had, I remember hanging out with Jack Joyce and, and looked at his wall in Portland and we had more, uh, rogue beers on than they had at their tap rooms and their, uh, back in the day. And, God. and we just had to, the other two breweries, uh, were Stevens point, 
and August shell. And, uh, which they're now that, combined, right? No, well, I'm sorry. no, they, no, no, they're no, no, both, no. They're I, all, I, yeah. They're, well, look, grain belt and August shell have combined, uh, right. Stevens point is really kind of a, uh, they're, they just, they're like a FX max that, uh, Matt, excuse me. They, they just make beer for other people. Yeah. Um, mostly as far as I can tell, but you know, that's not any way to open up. We barely had enough to fit the handles. Then it got to where we were, we were stockpile. We'd stack up beers just so we could have them. We were the only, a beer would come to the state. And we're like, okay, we'll buy all that. You know, we took up all, all the oxygen in the room for a little while. Then other people started showing up and wanted to share in that. But so we were, there was always this fight. First, we couldn't get high proof. Then we could get, then the breweries in the state, when we were getting high proof, got upset that we were getting the high proof. They couldn't brew it. So now they could brew it. Those things changed. The, you know, more than just a rogue beer on tap, more, you know, uh, we got, got a lot of love from it. It was really cool that it worked out that way, but it's nice to start getting other breweries. And so once the law changed, we started to see more and more breweries. And, you know, we've had different fun events over the years and, and we had the luxury of our next door, our Jason to the high, the El Bay shop is the high life lounge, which yeah. is exactly what it sounds like. High life on tap, Schlitz, hams, old Milwaukee, paps, the, the, all the works. And when we sounds first like opened, that's time. all we had. It's so it's great. Devin, and if it's you, it's, so, like, it's so good. It's just, if you don't yeah. like it, you go next door, you know? Um, but then we were like, okay, let's put Bud Light on tap. Let's be a little nice to people. So we had Bud Light on tap at, uh, at the bait shop. And then, you know, it's kind of the old classics. Uh, we have a classic radio station that plays like Nirvana. And I'm like, how is that even, you know, 1990s? How is that classics? Classics are like the 60s and 70s, maybe 50s. Well, as you get older, the classics are closer to you. So then we started putting on like Boulevard Wheat at the High Life and Sierra Nevada. Um and so you could get craft beer at the bait shop. You could still get the high life and the hams and all that. And so as things progress, and then it got really local. One day we realized that we had more beer on at the El Bait shop. We had like 140 Iowa beers on, and we only had 120 handles here at the Iowa tap room. Well, locals, locals king now. Uh, we'll see where it goes. We've got a lot of, uh, we got a, you know, then, then the seltzers came in and I didn't allow anyone to have seltzers in our building. We weren't going to do that. Well, if you don't do that long enough, you're going to have not, people aren't going to show up. The new one, the new thing, new kid on the block is, uh, is THC. Uh, yeah. Climbing water. kites. Yeah. Climbing kites in our neighborhood is the first, but they are, there are dozens waiting to hit the shelves next year. We have breweries that are going to start making them in this state. It is the wild west when it comes to that. And I could go ahead and say, well, we're not going to do that. But then we'd be watching from the sidelines. And I've always wanted to be, you don't always want to be first, but maybe second or third. Um, so I found it more comfortable in my older age to just kind of be the second or third. In the past, we had been the trailblazer. We had taken that big step, 105 beers on tap. And then it went up to 262 on tap. Yeah. That's Jeez. insane. As insane as it sounds. It, yeah. Uh, uh, and, but we are blowing, we were blowing until this day. We still do, but at our peak, we were blowing 75 to a hundred kegs a month. We would go through, we would go through sometimes 50 kegs in a week. And I say six, you know, kegs, I mean, six barrels, of course, but six, yeah. 
but I don't even, I'm like saying brand new beers. So like if we had a keg of Sierra Nevada, we wouldn't even count that if we replaced it. I mean, if we were going to have it on it, we, that's not counting those. So we were just, I mean, we're just hammering beer. So we were having fresh, we were almost guaranteeing fresh, a fresh beer. We kept track of how long a beer sat on online and it never lasted more than three, three weeks. Um, even if it weren't, it wasn't selling that well. And then if it didn't, then we'd put it on special and blow it out and move to the next one. And there was just, we had just piles of beer coming in all the time. We just recently rolled out three Floyds and we had gotten it in the past, kind of not probably the best way to get, you know, not legitimately getting it legally. We got it legally, but legitimately the distributor was breaking the rules right when we first opened. Well now legitimately and legally we were getting it in and, that was like the biggest thing that's happened in months or in, in the last year is we got three Floyds into our, t- on our tap wall, which at one time would have been the greatest, hugest thing ever. Yeah. And now it's sort of, uh, you know, so it's, yeah, it's another, everything's just another just brand. fundamentally changing. Which, which is crazy, right? Devin, you're just saying, yeah, it's just another brand. And that, but that's crazy to think that even, you know, five, eight years ago, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I remember five and eight years ago, if there was any brewery that was new in distribution uh, here, we would launch a party for them. Like we would, we would have a rep out here. We'd be giving away swag. We'd have a whole thing. You know, our shop would be full of people that are so excited to see this new brand. And nowadays, God, there's three or four new brands every week. Uh, and you know, we used to do a big social media campaign so-and-so is coming next week and we're going to have this, this, and this on tap. And nowadays it's like, Oh, you're new. Oh, you're new. Oh, you're new. Like, Oh, okay. Uh, what, what do you got? You know, <laughs> what can we fit on the shelves at this point? Like what can we fit on our tap lines? Um, or not. And, and right. I mean, y- y- yeah, you exactly. both get to be we're discerning not. these days. Yes. You, you really have to be. And at this point it's like, you know, Oh, you're a new brewery and distribution. What have you got? Oh, you've got a hazy IPA. Uh, you've got a Vienna lager, you've got a Kolsch neat. So does every other brewery that has entered <laughs> distribution here in the past you know, year. Uh, what are you doing that isn't the same that all these other people are doing? And it's almost like, you know, there isn't even when a customer comes in and they've got like their favorite brand, right? Like their favorite, Hey, can I get, xyz pale ale why can't i find that anywhere and i'm like oh well that we had a case of that five months ago but we didn't reorder it because there were seven other new things waiting to take that spot on the shelf and you know history has shown us that the best selling thing is the new thing so we just we order like a case of everything whenever it comes out and then when it sells out it's gone and we just move on to the next thing because that the it's just this waterfall of new breweries new beer all the time new 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 that um it's almost like the public doesn't even get a chance to develop a relationship with a brand or a specific beer anymore it's just try this try this try this try this try this and and we're in this forever you know endless stream of every beer we drink is a new beer <laughs> and i think it's actually yeah go ahead i'll just say i think a decade from now people are going to look back at this time and just go wonder it's like it's the, it's a uh, situation where the brewing industry almost killed itself by trying to be like one up themselves. You know, you say, you mentioned slushy sours and barrel age, you know, 
think of the Avery beers that nearly hit 20%, like these knockout beers, like you could barely drink them. And, and it, it, and everyone's trying to one up each other and it's just kind of, and then everyone's like, well, look how well they're doing. Let's open up our, our brewery. I think we're, we're right at maturity level as far as new stuff coming out. And it'll be interesting how we go through this next decade, uh, how things level out. I I think the period that we're in right now is it's unfortunate and it's sad because I see, I, it, just in Greenville, South Carolina alone, we've had, um, I think, three breweries close in the past year that were Greenville institutions that, that people who lived here were very much attached to. And, you know, those places are not with us anymore. And um, and it was because they were, I mean, uh, it, it, there's no singular reason. There's, you know, obviously with any business that closes, there's a whole list of reasons. But I think nationwide, so many of these breweries were built at a time when craft beer was on such a meteoric rise mm-hmm. that any um, w- when when asking for a loan from the bank to to build our facility, they would point to the trend of well, look what beer is doing right now. If we can just have some money, that we will do the same thing that this trend is doing, and we will have our beer in you know twenty seven states by two years from now. And, you know, and, and you'll get your return on investment and we'll keep going and everybody will be millionaires. And what, what happened in real life is, you know, too many people had the same idea at the same time. And, um, you can make a, a, a very good living just being your friendly neighborhood pub. You know, you just want to make some beer that you're, you're the people who live within a 10 mile radius of you come to drink. You can make a great living doing that. It's, it's the breweries that, built these big facilities that needed to have their beer distributed and into multiple states to survive. Those are the ones that are having trouble right now. Sure. And as, as, as someone who is purchasing beer to resell to customers every week, we are overwhelmed with options. And I think our customers are overwhelmed with options. And um, yeah, that's, that's where we're at in this moment. And and that sort of brings me to where I, I I wanted to go a little bit because you're both overwhelmed with options, right? I know Jeff, you have you know, hundreds of taps to 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 fill, um, but there are beers that you can legitimately turn down, right? If somebody says, "Oh, we have a new Kolsch," it's like cool, like let's let's taste your new Kolsch. And if in your professional opinion, and knowing that you're going to have to resell uh, these beers, if you already have a better tasting Kolsch in your lineup there's probably not too much of an incentive to carry something that isn't quite as good. And I'm using culture yeah. as an example, but I, that, that, that's for any name, your style and then multiply it by 50. Absolutely. I mean, that's as, as a small store, I mean, we, we're, we're a bottle shop that we, we recently expanded a couple of years ago to add a tap room. Um, and you know, we, in, in the shop, I mean, yeah, if, if you bring me a Kolsch since we're using that, um, I mean, if you're not even close to Reisdorf, I'm just not going to order it. Like I've got, <laughs> I've got so many, you know, beers like that. Like, um, I thank you. This is tasty, but it's not doing anything that I don't already have. And really that's the case with just about every style nowadays. I mean, oh, you make a hazy IPA neat. I have other half, <laughs> I have Trillium, I have, uh, you know, tripping animals, I have burial, I have, 
fabulous hazy IPAs, all with four, two, four, three, and above ratings on untapped. And they're on the shelves already ready to be bought. Like, what are you doing that's different from that? And yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming a, a point to where there are so many A plus beers readily available now that if you're an A minus, I don't have time for you. And that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's unfortunate because I, 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 it's, I don't know. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed with options. And I think the, I think the public is too. Well, and I think Jeff, some of that, yeah. uh, you know, I think, you know, we talked about it when you were here, Paul Gotts, uh, mentioned, you know, stop, you know, don't fuck it up. Don't make shitty beer. He went to a beer festival and six out of the 10 beers he tried, he said, were were there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And, and at the, uh, the story is at the craft brewers conference, he told that story and said, if quality isn't your, your primary goal, get the hell out of the room. And brewers were laughing. Like they thought he was, he was fooling around. Well, and, and, yeah. and, and I think some of these people that have moved into the market, uh, thinking that they can do it, have presented, you know, caused them, themselves problems. And they've got to fight against so many different things. They didn't even know. I remember going to a brewery here in town, which is a, one of the f- most favorite places, but they, he was stirring his mash with a, a canoe or I have video of it. And I'm like, this isn't going to last. You can't, no one can. I mean, this isn't the middle ages. No one's going to go and make their beer like that every day for decades upon decades. It just can't happen. And guess what? They're no longer in business. Um, and they were making great beer. Um, you know, the, there are so many options to buy and the customers are so fickle and they do, they've, the, because they were trying, everyone was trying to one up each other. It has been, you know, what have you done for me lately? And, and they'll bait shop lived on that. We lived on the should have been her yesterday, man, the keg blue, the one you should have tried. Um, and, and that really has caused issues. It makes it hard to run a business, uh, especially when you bought a 30 barrel system, you know, and you're trying to, trying to do whatever. Um, but we've really started to focus in on, and we have it, we've always done this, but we're, it's a relationship business and I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to deal with, you might make really good beer, but maybe I don't like how you run your business or how you treat the competition or, or whatever. Maybe that's what makes you not on tap at our place. But, but more than that, if you come in and you're a good person and we form a relationship, I want to work and do whatever I can. I'll go on the radio and talk to you, talk about your brewery on the radio. We'll come in and we'll do an event with you. We'll we'll find a, a uh, an event out in the public that's like an art show, and, and maybe they need to sell beer. Maybe we'll sell. Maybe I'll talk them into selling your beer and kind of throw my weight around that way because I buy so much beer myself. And really, kind of just pick. You know, it's kind of like you pick who your friends are and who you want to work with and who who you want to go to see every day at work. So that's really where it's at. And we've also because things aren't. Uh, because we are, we've also reduced our number of handles to make life easier for our staff. Because, you know, as these things, you know, as we just got, I think we've gotten two or three or four new brew pubs, uh, you know, secondary locations for breweries in our town. Well, guess what? People that really love beer might go to work for them now. So now it's harder for us with COVID and new breweries. The the uh, employment pool has really shrunk as far as beer lovers are. So it's getting harder to, to run the business. So we've kind of shrunk our inventory so that we can 
so we can make it easier for the staff to go to work every day and know what we have and make it a little bit easier. We went from 262 handles at Obey Shop. Now we're at, uh, I think we're at 251, which or uh, 200, excuse me, which sounds silly at 200, <laughs> but it's made their life easier. You know, we went from, we had a place that had 35 seats and 41 tap handles uh, called the library. Yeah. Um, we, we changed, we took eight handles off and went down and now we're and now we are at um, thirty three tap handles and thirty five seats. So we've nearly gotten to parity to from butts to uh, delivers, uh, and it just makes life easier where they don't have to fight. It's a really small place. We're just trying to make it easier so that so we're reducing. And then the distributors, we had a distributorship, the Budweiser distributorship in town bought out Johnson Brothers, which is a regional. Uh, dis- distribution company that oh, yeah. focuses on wine and and also spirits and then they do have beer in some locations well they dropped their entire portfolio sold it all to budweiser well guess what budweiser is going to be doing this coming year they're not carrying all 60 uh, of those breweries every one of their brands so they're going to start reducing too so we're kind of in a reduction cycle just because the business has matured you know uh, distributors have consolidated breweries have reduced their other the breweries are also reducing their offerings so we're we got two things working against with each other and against each other but long play is is like devin saying we're going to stick to what's really good and we're going to offer what's really good and we're going to also train the staff that maybe isn't as educated as they have in the past we're dedicated this coming year to really, we used to get people walk in the door that knew they could brew. They maybe they brew their own beer at home. They're home brewers, or maybe they worked at a brewery once, or they're from a town where they worked at a brewery, or they worked at a beer bar. Well, now we don't have those folks. So now we're gonna have to we have to actually train them to know more about beer than they normally would. So we're dedicating ourselves to training, to relationships, and and t- to make the job a little bit simpler and straightforward for the customer and for the people that work there. Does that mirror your experience, Devin? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, sorry if my audio sounds different. My, my uh, Bluetooth earpiece just died. So I'm recharging it. This thing You're doesn't good. last. Um, yeah, no, I agree with all of that. Um, I think that's what we're all doing is just doing the best we can. And, you know, uh, amidst all the, insane amount of options that we have uh we're just picking the best we can and we're training our staff to know what it is that they're pouring and and how to relate it to people who do know what it is or don't know what it is or you know um and how to discern between between both of those um the number of taps uh you've got uh jeff sounds insane we've got 20 and i don't want more than that (laughs) i wouldn't Um, i wouldn't tell any sane person to do more than that um we've got about it's baked in the cake. 40, 45 seats in the tap room and we, we do 20 taps. And I mean, I guess if you count the, the wine and mead that we have on tap, uh, 23 taps. So, um, yeah. Is it, is there, is there a big market for uh, draft mead? I, I wouldn't say it's a huge market. Um, but we get a lot of people in our tap room specifically. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people, who live in Greenville who don't even know that we exist. We're still very much a, a small hole in the wall, you know, tiny family owned thing that, um, I mean, there are people who follow beer and who, 
you know, are on untapped with their ratings and do everything. And they, you know, if they happen to come to Greenville, they will seek us out because we, we have that reputation in the beer community. Meanwhile, there's a guy who lives downtown three blocks away, who's lived here his whole life and has no idea we exist. Um, we're, we're very much in, in kind of a craft beer bubble that way. But um, uh, with, with mead, mead is still kind of a, a new thing for most people who live here. Um, we keep uh, two or three meads on tap currently. Um, and it's a lot of it is I've never had a mead before. What is that? Can I taste it? And so, yes, we, you know, we, we keep a few of those on, but it's and growing. And they come in the yeah. next day furious with you because of their hangover. <laughs> At mean, any it's, given it's time, we have pours with the meads. Yeah, we don't, we're not, we're not selling full pints of that stuff, but um <laughs> At any given time, we'll have anywhere from uh, one to two to ten meads on tap at the bait shop. Wow! Yeah, if, if anyone we have if a, anyone complains of a hangover here, it's usually due to barrel aged stouts or barley wines, which we are <laughs> pretty pretty famous for having a few more of those on than most places would. I I do remember vaguely uh, early on in my in my drinking life being at a bar with a friend of mine who ordered a mead, the one out of Michigan that was around that had like zombie zombie killer. Uh, I forget the name of the nectar. Yeah. And it should have come in an eight ounce glass, but the, the bartender I guess was new or not paying attention to something. And it came in a pint glass and, and my buddy drank the whole thing and ordered another. And I guess the manager Good saw it Lord. at that point, like as the, the bartender was pouring the second pint of mead and it's like, no, 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 no. You got to do, you got to do eight, eight, eight ounce pours. And uh, yeah. she had apparently, the, this bartender had, had been serving a couple of other people, the the pints of mead and my my buddy did not have a good day the next day. I wonder if he was accidentally like, because I know zombie killer is like a, I don't know, six and a half, seven percent like cider with honey in it. Um I wonder yes. if he, I wonder if he had the um, the imperial version. Which yeah, it was it was something that was. It, I, I'm remembering the name Zombie Killer because it, it was on at another bar that I would frequent regularly. Zombie but I forget State what Manhattan, the yeah maybe Zombie What's State that? Manhattan was the barely. They had one like Dragon something or other. I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't drinking it, but it's I I don't. We had one called Kurt's. Uh, we have one that called Kurt's Apple Pie from from Moonlight Meadery, and we. At, we were at sometimes ordering up 10 kegs at a time because we were, we'd sell so much of it, six ounces at a time. That's incredible. And we charged like $8 for six ounces or whatever it was. I mean, it would, people would just loved it. It was like an apple pie shot, I guess, but it was a, it was straight up mead, moonlight meadery out of, uh, out of New Hampshire. It's just, it's really good for us, but. I like that. Um, Devin, I was going to let the first reference slide, but then you brought it up again uh, in, in referencing untapped and untapped numbers. And I imagine that if there are brewers who are listening right now, they are uh, screaming and yelling uh, about untapped. How important is that app? Is those Are those ratings to what you're doing? For what we do, it is it is important, but not in the way you might think. It, it's it's one of those things where we, we, I use it as a reference, but it's not the, it's not the Bible, if that makes sense. Like it's, it, it, we will, if a new beer becomes available that I've never heard of, I will look it up on untapped and, and I want to see what I'm looking for when I look at untapped is pictures of it. I want to see what the label looks like. I want to see if it would look pretty on a shelf. You know, I want to see if the color appearance of the liquid matches the style that it advertises itself to be. I'm looking at the ABV. 
Um, as far as ratings go, I, I look at it, but with a grain of salt, like I, I know that with, okay, for example, this, this is the easy thing. If you're making, uh, an Imperial double, whatever, uh, new England hazy IPA, it's an eight and a half percent hazy IPA and your beer has, uh, a thousand ratings, you know, if, if it's below 4.0, then I know it's probably not worth my time because I know that most of the breweries or excuse me, most of the drinkers that are drinking hazy IPAs, they are probably untapped users and they are probably rating these hazy IPAs on untapped. And so if I see an untapped review for a hazy IPA, that's a four, one, four, two, four, three or above. And the quantity of reviews is high. I can, I can trust that that is going to be a beer that's going to sell well, you know, um, on the flip side of that coin, if you made a, um, I don't know, a German style Roggen beer or, a or a, a Rauk beer to, to, to use <laughs> to pander. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if you have a Rauk beer, that's averaging a three, five or a three, six, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> um, cause most people aren't going to understand that style, you know, or what, what, what the, the joke about, you know, untapped on the internet is like a, a perfect Pilsner will never score higher than a 4.0 on untapped. So if you see a three, nine for a Pilsner on untapped, that's like the best Pilsner you can probably find ever. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things where like we use it, but we're not like, we're not taking, we're not taking it at face value. We're, we're digging into what these different ratings mean. And, but also I'm, I'm looking at pictures of it. I'm looking at the label. I'm looking at, you know, that sort of thing. Jeff, does it come into play at all for you guys? Um, you know, so this is uh, it's kind of a two ways to say this. I don't get involved with the picking of beers anymore these days. Uh, I do know that we're, uh, we're, uh, uh, we pay to be, a, a, we were kind of one of the early adopters of the venue, um, part right. portion of the app. And, um, we do work a lot with untapped. I mean, I was, I had to look it up cause I couldn't remember rate beer. We used to use rate beer a lot. We used to use sure. beer advocate, of course. Um, now back in the day we did, and, and it I, really would have to be, you know, it's kind of a, do I trust the brewery? Do I trust, uh, do I trust the readers? Sometimes I, back in the day, if this is a reference that maybe lost some portion of, of the United States, maybe not, but Siskel and Ebert out of Chicago would rate movies. And maybe that was a nationwide thing. Yeah. If they said it wasn't any good, I would actually go to that movie. Cause it seemed to me like they were so particular about what they thought. Now, of course, also having the beer, just tasting it. Uh, you know, we taste almost everything that ever goes on. And, and, and I have to say this, I, I, I have a few people that work with us. If they say it's good, then it's good. Okay. It's, it's non-flawed and it's good. Now, of course, the cherry on top is 4.0 or higher, 4.5. I mean, and, I, and you're right, Devin, on the IPAs. I mean, every time somebody says IPAs in this context of talking, I think of either a knife fight or an or somebody sets a pie out into a crowd of like 200 hungry people. <laughs> like, no, it, it's just like no one could, you could, good luck ever convincing that all 200 people that that apple pie was good like it's it's just so everyone's fighting over it so hard like i always just i always laugh when they say 
best best IPA at GBF. It's like all I, I, I just pops in my head is palate fatigue. Like, how can that be the best one? <laughs> Was it the first one they had or the last one they had? Like, it's it's totally. You could do, they could just flip a coin. They could draw a number. They could do ping pong balls and pick the winner because, you know. I just yeah. don't know how you can pick the best IPA, but everyone wants an IPA and they, you know, and if, you know, you mentioned Trillium or Treehouse, uh, you know, if they're going to make that beer, they, people know it's good and they're already going to be hot for it. Um, so I kind of trust the brewery sometimes. Um, but, uh, like I say, I don't make those decisions so much, but I trust the people that do. Um, and the relationships, like I mentioned before, we, we build on that. And we don't get like you, we don't have a lot of new breweries coming to us in the state anymore. We have a new, we don't have the same kind of the East coast. I think you might see more breweries coming your way. We're kind of tapped out in the Midwest as far as new breweries. I mean, we're getting them, but it's not a huge flow of new breweries. So that every beer that we see, we've kind of already knew it. We already saw it coming a little bit these days. Yeah. From our perspective, it's, um, it's not only new breweries, but it's, it's new distributors. It's a, Hey, we're a new distribution company and here's our portfolio of breweries. And then three weeks later here, we're a new distribute distributor and here's our portfolio of breweries. And it's just like, Oh my God, like it, it really does feel like a, like a waterfall of options some days. And I, I attribute that to a reason why some of our local breweries have shut down. There's just, there's too many options for people. And um, I think that that, trend is going to level out soon where um a lot of these breweries that have extended their distribution footprint into more states are probably going to start pulling back a little bit and, and a lot of them unfortunately are going to close and that's just that's just the reality of well it. yeah it's i think it's a volume thing they have so much volume they need to they need to get out in the world yeah, we have yeah. a place called pequod uh that's kind of what you're talking about and they've done a good job and and yes we get a lot of new beers from them if they're uh, offering it to us, it means that they 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 have some to spare, and that that's that's what <laughs> distribution is really. And uh, you know, if a lot of the breweries that you know five or eight years ago didn't have any need to distribute because they were you know selling everything out of the tap room with a line you know wrapped around the block, you know that's kind of normalized and dissipated. And now some of those breweries are offering distribution, and now we can get the beers from the breweries that, you know, eight years ago, we only dreamt of. And so now that's kind of making it to where it's harder to pay money to go to the local brewery that we used to frequent so much because now, Oh, the best in the world that we used to fantasize about a few years ago is readily available on the shelf. And it really is just, it's, it's making everything just readily available. And therefore the things that weren't so readily available a few years ago are now less special. Uh, because what made them special was the fact that you couldn't get them. And now that you can, wh what do I, what do I search for now? I'm so used to searching for the thing that I couldn't get <laughs> now that I can get it. Uh, what's the next thing I can't get. And so um, that's sort of the, the annoying habits of the, of the craft beer nerd <laughs> um, that we uh -huh. deal with. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, going back to the untapped thing, John, um, we we still have a good crowd of people seeking out the the classics a little bit like we we keep a dedicated belgian section a dedicated german section in our in our bottle shop and i know that 
there have been many other craft beer retailers that have popped up all over town, you know, since the beginning of GBX, but you know, they're not carrying Roche for 10, you know, they're not carrying, yeah. um, on deck Stoppelbach. They're not carrying, um, uh, La Trap quad, like things of that nature. So, and we, we keep those things around and by the grace Do of people God, come in looking for them. Yes. And, and I, and, and it's just here. And I think it's because we are this like small hole in the wall thing that these small, uh, audience for those products have all started coming here. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, there weren't as many choices. And so those things were more hot commodities back then. But I, th- I think we do still have kind of, kind of an older generation that still wants to drink those things. And they're just coming here to buy them because the other retailers have stopped carrying them. Um, but to, to, to go back to the untapped thing, those people are not using untapped, you know, they're, they're not, they're not on that app. They're, they're still drinking the classics. Um, they, they still want, you know, those, those, uh, those beers. So, um, learning to well, those beers are are safe for a distributor to carry too because they have they have a uh, shelf life yeah so yeah, yeah. they are gonna hang a yeah, lot I of those would still hang you know really yeah i hope they stick around um because i've seen a, i've seen several retailers stop carrying them because nobody buys them anymore in in their eyes um and and we have certainly dropped a few brands that were in our minds legendary and you know worthy of of being lauded and you know, we, we, we stopped carrying them because they were just sitting there collecting dust. And, um, but that being said, there are several other beers of that same, you know, family that we do still carry. Uh, those sections have, have shrunk a little bit, but we, we still carry them. Um, so it's sort of like, I, when, when you talk about like how important is untapped to your business, to me, untapped is important to the new money styles basically like it's important to the the younger generation it's important to the styles that appeal to the younger generation but also like it's important to know the dividing line between the two things if that makes sense yeah well Um, yeah go ahead jeff i was gonna say i also think you know like our place with a big list it helps uh, us you can you know a new younger people can use that we have we went to paper menus again recently and i'm happy to have it because it's nice to kind of browse through the beer when you have you know we have 300 beers at the bait shop because you got to figure cans and bottles too and it, so it makes our menu searchable if you or if you're wanting to do that it also gives you something to look at when you're not sitting at our bar maybe wanting wondering if you're going to go so the untapped is a very good tool to have around i would say how things are these days for breweries uh, yeah. losing, you know, breweries going out of business, uh, uh, beer bars having trouble, you know, falling rock is amazing. It's not open. Um, uh, the thing that, you know, you hear a lot of people these days going, I wish it used to be like it used to be. The world isn't what it used to be. America's not what it used to be. And I went to a funeral recently and I talked about this on the radio, 21 gun salute, Korean war veteran. And, it, and I just kind of had this thought, my dad's Vietnam veteran. And I was just thinking about like, what, what are these, you know, what's kind of the tie here? And then I was talking, my daughters just started bowling, which is kind of crazy. But uh, I remember I talked to a younger person. I said, oh, we used to bowl all the time in my hometown. Everyone was in a league. And they're like, why were they in a league? I go, because there was three TV stations. Yeah. The world used to be different. And what, it used to be different 
and what about it can we really truly still have in the today because you pine for the olden days well we're not going to drink schlitz again right we're not going to drink we're not going to drink the beers that no longer exist in the world but what we can do is have these places where people can get together at bars at bottle shops at uh at uh breweries and if you supply really good service that's timeless and you if you 100%. if you give really good information to your customer and they feel like you're connected to them and they're paying attention and your staff is, is sees what they you know the time they put in to learn about what you're selling is paying off and their tips going up like it just a refocus on what matters uh is i think where people need to be and stop focusing outward how much bigger can we get how many shelves can we fill in a grocery store? Get to the really great bottle shops. Make sure you get to them. Get to the really cool, interesting uh, beer bars uh, that are, are really wanting to support your product and you really appreciate them and they appreciate you for doing it. That's, I think, where the world is going to – I mean, that's where that's, – I think you got to kind of hunker down for a while. And people who pay attention to the simple basics are going to come out the other side of this just fine. I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think the, 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 the focus right now needs to be on the best quality product you can make. And you know, the, the, the bottle shops and the bars and the tap rooms, they're going to order what they think tastes the best. And they're going to tell their loyal customers what they think is the best. And that's, what's going to survive. And um, yeah. That really summed up the last question that I was going to ask you guys. So Thank you for that. Um, the last official question that I was going to ask you guys, uh, but I did want to ask you each the green door question, which is uh, the, the the premises on the television show, The Good Place. There is a concept of a green door that is introduced in the final season, and uh, the characters can walk through it and be anywhere doing whatever they want to be doing. And so if we had a green door on our plane of existence and this conversation ended and you could walk through it and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? Jeff? Um, I thought about this and I, so I listened to a few of your podcasts, uh, kind of bone up for this. Aww, and, um, and I realized that, uh, um, well, you said it's it's a open ended question, so you can uh, you can go and do all the things you you wish you could do. Um, yeah, some people some people like time. to time travel. Some people like to yeah. Um, so I dead. would like to yeah. go. There's a few things I'd like to do. I would love to, and I can think about it right now. Is uh, sitting in Portland with Jack Joyce uh, at the Rogue Bar in Portland, having a beer with him. Uh, what an amazing person! Uh, look him up sometime. Uh, he, he was on the Bo Nose co- campaign. He and some guys left Nike and thought, let's open a, let's open a beer bar. Let's have some fun. We'll make a little beer and have some fun. And just the creativity and the fun of knowing those folks and becoming such an insider with those guys because we sold so much of their beer in the middle of nowhere. It's a really cool thing. And another time uh, uh, back in the past, but I could do this in the future, uh, is I took my family. We were on a trip all over Germany. We we hit all the big ones. We hit Kolsch. I would do that again if we could go drink right, you know, in the shadow of the do- the dome, the dom. 
yeah. uh, and go drink Kolsch. I drank seven different Kolsch breweries that day. Uh, we went down to, to uh, Southern in Black Forest and some of those places, but then we did go to Bomberg and we did go to Schlenkerla. And I am pandering, but it was awesome. We went, <laughs> we happened to be there on Easter. And so they had uh, their, their POS, their, their uh, Easter F- Faustin beer, uh, ro- but it was a rock beer. They also had a schnapps and the lady there thought I was crazy, but I had every single one that they offered. And there was a special one that time because it was during the Easter season and they had their Faustin beer too. So I would love to do that one again uh, sometime in the future. I like that. Devin, any pub, any brewery, anywhere in the world, where are you going? Who are you with? What are you drinking? Uh, yeah, man, I too have uh, listened to a few of your podcasts and kind of uh-huh. uh, contemplated over this answer because it, man, it's deep. Um, I mean, if you're talking about today, like, I mean, of course I would transport myself any minute now to, to go and, you know, hang out at uh, and drink barley wines, you know, at, anchorage or revolution or side project or wax wings or any of you know barreled souls or any of those amazing places but when you when you bring in time travel um but you don't have to that's the you know some people do some people don't yeah well well i'm gonna and um uh something (laughs) i haven't brought up yet but listen i'm just gonna throw it on the table i'm a big wrestling fan personally um I, I don't watch or enjoy any real sports at all, but I, I do enjoy scripted sports very much. And um, if you could time travel me back to the eighties and just go to whatever bar Andre, the giant is I, hanging yep. uh, before or after his shows and just <laughs> watch that giant human uh, smash Molson's cans. Uh, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 of them and just see if I can keep up or just watch that spectacle happen. It was 120 I, something. Was it that high? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Good I, I, Lord. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he, when he's holding them in his hand, it just looks like he's, he, he's holding a Tic Tac box. Like it just, there yeah. was such a huge person that, um, yeah. If, if, if you want to put me in any beer drinking situation in history, I think that's the one I want to go hang out at. I want to watch, I want to go, I want to go drink with Andre the giant. I like that. 100, 119. You could, <laughs> You could bring him to your bar, Jeff, and have him go say, to your taps, and there'd still be and there'd still be room to spare. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have, a, we have a wall. Yeah. Did you see that, John? When you were there, we have a wall, a pro wrestling wall, an homage. Rick Flair is at the top, and we have an homage. We have a couple of pictures of Andre on the wall. We have it's it's there's a story there, but I I ended up buying a whole bunch of memorabilia, and we hung all the pictures up on the wall. They're all from the '80s and even before that, '60s, '70s, '80s. I, I love wrestlers. the conversation that's going to happen about 10 minutes from now when Devin makes the hard, hard case to his family that the, the next family vacation should be to Des Moines. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're there. Uh, we're well, I think there. you can go to like Harley race or something and in, in Missouri, you can go to his wrestling camps. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible. Uh, I'm just going to throw on a little bit of when you say yeah. the green door and you say, have you ever heard of this book called the unbearable nonsense of craft beer? No. A rant in nine acts. No, who wrote it? Everyone listening, get this book. It's short and it's these guys. They just keep popping up and all over different. They're talking about beer, just like we just did. And they pop up all over the place and, it, and they're just talking about craft beer. And now this is a little bit dated. I think it's uh, t- 2014, 
but it's still fun to read. And they're who who they're are the talking. authors of this? It's a guy, uh, uh, McLeod, Alan McLeod, and Max uh, B A H N S O N. I've heard of Alan McLeod. Yeah, and it's it's so fun, and it's sort of like what we're doing. Okay, swashbuckling romp into the depths of modern beer discourse. I will. I'm. I'm. I'm surprised that I don't have that somewhere on the shelf uh, down here in the in the vast beer library. But I will. I'll make it a point to go and look for it. Uh, guys, thanks for doing what you're doing. Thanks for having places that people can go and drink beer and hang out and learn about beer and you know, see what good stewards for the industry are all about. I think we. We need places like what you both offer. So thank you for for that. And thanks for being on the show this week. Thanks for for sharing your insights. And I'm hopeful that in 2024 we can we can clink classes in in person. Absolutely, John. Thank you for having us, man. And I hope I, you know, in talking about, you know, too many options and too many breweries and too many distributors, I I hope I didn't seem negative. I I I love what I do. I love this place and and I've always believed that if you can figure out a way to uh you know make a make a living and support your family doing your hobby then you won't work a day in your life and that's that's what i do every day and i'm thankful for it and you know i guess if we have too much beer to choose from there there are worse things we can complain about right agreed yeah thanks guys thank you so much this was a lot of fun on this last episode of 2023 Please accept my thanks to all of you for listening, for supporting All About Beer, and for all of the great notes you always send along. I hope this week is calm, happy, and filled with good food, drink, and company. If you need to reach me, get in touch with questions, comments, guest suggestions, whatever. You can get me on email at John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at allaboutbeer.com. And a reminder, go visit allaboutbeer.com. There you can check out the podcast page, the merch page, read great new content, and check out our archives, which go all the way back to 1979. Follow All About Beer on social media, at All About Beer. And if you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, you can email us at info at allaboutbeer.com or go to patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. Don't forget about the All About Beer podcast channel. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer still has new episodes every Monday. And the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo. And I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday. And that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer.